Every day, our world gets a little more connected, but a little further apart. But then, there are moments that remind us to be more human. Thank you for calling Amica Insurance. Hey, uh, I was just in an accident. Don't worry, we'll get you taken care of. At Amica, we understand that looking out for each other isn't new or groundbreaking. It's human. Amica, empathy is our best policy. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Welcome to this free episode of Dunked On Prime. If you want every team preview and much, much more as we get going into the season, Nate and Danny are ready to gear up. My daily dunks are back to five days a week. Seth Partnow is providing his written analysis. We've got our cap sheets. We've got a lot of content for you. You can subscribe at dunkedon.supportingcast.fm. That's dunkedon.supportingcast.fm. All right, it is time now to speak of the Chicago Bulls. And joining us is a first-time guest, although someone I've known for a long time through various iterations of our careers. Will Gottlieb, how are you? I'm doing really well, as you said. Uh, it's been a long time, so I'm, I'm really glad to get on your show and talk some Bulls. Yeah, Will is a uh, Chicago guy. We first, we talked about them we, when we met. God, that must have been like eight or nine years ago, or or something like that. I think so. I was trying to I was trying to recall. I think that sounds about right. Yeah. So uh, let's uh, let's talk about the Bulls. And I guess the first thing you know, the, the outline that we do every time we try to kind of talk about last year and then see how that might apply to this year. Is there a team that has changed less from last year than the Chicago Bulls? I couldn't think of one off the top of my head, but I'll I'm going to try to think about it more. That's. That's an interesting question because from the outside looking in, probably not, but internally, I think they've changed a lot. And that's one of the things that's so weird to me about this team is you look at who they were before the trade deadline for all-star break last year compared to who they were after. You look at who they were two years ago with Lonzo Ball compared to who they were after uh, their clutch stats uh, two years ago compared to last year. And so the the players have largely stayed the same. But there's been so much variance from all these key indicators of success um, that it's just it's really hard to put your finger on who and what this team actually is, even though you've barely had any roster movement over the past two full seasons. Well, to that end, what do you think are some of the most salient things about their performance uh, from last year that we do think may continue this year? Yeah, so I think the first thing you want to talk about is the defense. Um, last year, they were fifth in defensive rating, which I think is probably punching a little bit above their weight, although they were really good all season. I think, you know, for a team that's kind of built on three offense-only star players to to have, especially with a rim protector, a, a backline defender, a center in Nikola Vucevic, who's not really known to be uh, any stalwart back there. For them to put together that kind of a defensive season, uh, I think speaks to the execution and the scheme. Um, and I think some of that is replicable. Uh, if you look at who they were in the first half of last season, I'll probably refer to the first versus the second half a lot. Um, they were seventh in defense. So they were still very good, even when they weren't playing their best basketball. 
26 and 33 before the all-star break, but they really ramped it up and were first in defense in the second half of last year. And that's when Alex Crusoe came into the starting lineup for uh, Patrick Williams and Patrick Beverly came in off the bio market and was playing uh, heavy minutes as a starting point guard in favor of Ayabasumu. So I think, you know, they probably won't end up uh, fifth again, or certainly not first, like they were the second half of the year. But I do think that's something uh, that unless a whole lot changes with their shot profile and the offensive team that they want to be, that's something I think they can replicate to a certain extent. And the reason I say that is just because a lot of the roster is the same. And what I think they did really well was get over screens, really hassle the ball handler. Um, when you look at Caruso and Desumu and Javon Carter, uh, Patrick Beverly last year, guys that can really get over screens um, and just kind of like cut off drives and dribble penetration before it happens. Uh, I think they're they're hoping to replicate that. And then also Vucevic, who I mentioned, obviously not a great rim protector, but I think in this scheme did a pretty good job of just getting up and meeting the ball handler at the level, containing, returning back to his man, and, and just trying to keep teams out of the paint against them. I think they found a recipe that works. And like I said, probably won't end up fifth again, but if they're in the top 10, that wouldn't stun me. Yeah, the, it's it's so interesting when you think about those three guys and those three guys are all healthy. They played the most minutes. And and my initial thought when this group got together two years ago was, all right, these guys are be pretty good on offense, probably top 10. And holy shit, they're not going to guard anybody. And <laughs> exactly. Uh, you know, they, and they're going to have a rookie at, at least at that time, or I think it was a second year guy starting at power forward. And then you have these three guys and just, no, they've always been a pretty good defensive team. And it's inspired a lot of interesting discussions about the utility of perimeter defense and how good you can be on the, if that's where your strength really lies. And like, you know, they don't really have a ton of size either, right? Like DeRozan plays a lot of four for them, even uh, at the end of games. And so, but they have, even without Lonzo Ball last year, really good guard defenders uh, that you listed. So yeah, I think, you know, you know, it's really interesting. Like, do you, when you look at just sort of the, the math profile of this team, is there anything kind of fluky that stands out in terms of like opponent shooting or, or where they're giving up shots or anything like that? Absolutely. I'm glad you asked, Nate. Uh, There was some very weird stuff going on with the Bulls defense. And as I mentioned, I think they did a great job of like containing and uh, preventing drives from happening. But they really kind of sold out to protect the paint and to keep teams out of the paint. And as a result, gave up a ton of threes, Uh, fifth most in the league from the corners and third most overall. And what's crazy about that, like, obviously, I think, you know, if you want to scheme a defense like you you can't take away everything right so you're gonna give up something i think corner threes is probably ideally not one of those things that you want to give up but uh the opponents shot a league worst three-point percentage from the corner uh which is just kind of crazy when you think about giving up so many more than league average and then teams uh shooting so poorly on them i've asked billy donovan this a bunch of times and every explanation he gives is like some variation of well they do a really good job contesting and they get out Um, and they they scramble and they rotate well. And I think all that's true. But to me, that number is a little bit fluky. And especially when you look at it for the season prior, I think it was the exact opposite where teams shot a lot of threes from the corner, but they made them at a very high level. So again, another one of these examples of like just variance swinging from one end to the very other uh, with a ton of the stats that kind of ended up making this team who it was. So that, that's definitely something I'm going to be looking out for. Um, and then, you know, with as far as things that like went well for them, 
the the turnover percentage they they force defenses into the six most most turnovers they never foul sixth again in uh opponent free throw rate and they close out plays with defensive rebounding so i think the combination of pressuring the ball keeping them out of the paint not fouling all that stuff worked really well for them but all of a sudden if you start to introduce a higher percentage of corner threes going in i think that defense could start to slide a little bit um certainly when you now look at you know they had their first preseason game yesterday kobe white started if you're not going to be playing javon carter or alex Crusoe heavy minutes you might have some slippage there too um i think kobe's gotten a lot better but that's one of those indicators for me that's like uh, i don't know maybe this thing actually is a little bit of a paper tiger well and so much i don't know see if you agree with me on that that so much of their defensive performance relies on caruso do you think that the, is that I mean, a reasonable he was thing just, to say? He was so outstanding last year. Um, it, I feel like towards the end of the season, it kind of occurred to me that he was like legitimately in play for first team all defense and ended up getting it. But yeah, I mean, for a guy that played like 24 minutes a game to have that much of an impact, you, you mentioned Vooch Shamar and Zach playing the most minutes of any trio. Their numbers were, I think, depending on which side you look at, like either slightly negative, slightly positive, like pretty average overall but when you put Caruso in there it's like plus 10 um and and their defense was outstanding with him so it is crazy you kind of mentioned like teams don't really succeed for the most part with uh with your primary defender being like a small 6-4 point of attack defender right like you want to have a backline defense you want to have um some sort of like assurances or safety valve back there to you know protect the rim in case of emergency and it just it felt like Caruso was so good and Desumo too um Patrick Beverly when he got there but Caruso was was really the guy that kind of made this whole thing work and I think keeping him healthy uh making sure they monitor his minutes and his load throughout the course of the season so that hopefully when they make the playoffs or the play-in he's able to play um he kind of dealt with a foot injury down the stretch of last season but like keeping him healthy I feel like is priority number one for this team because if you're 24th in offense with a offense only cast and you're fifth in defense all kind of on the back of this one point of attack defender who's like guarding one through fours if he goes down i feel like they're just in a lot of trouble yeah and caruso they're uh, exactly six points per 100 better defensively with him on the the floor a ridiculous 106.5 defensive rating when caruso played and uh over they actually were a little bit better offensively when caruso played as well though i did i did think that his offense slipped quite a bit last year i thought he yeah um you know just the usage is down like almost like 10 percent at this point and you know part of that's because he's playing a lot of minutes uh, with the other stars as well but he's but he really is just that impactful of a defender and you know of course when you see them hey they're this bad on offense or this good on defense uh, even with these three offense only stars you know that's kind of like well those because you have those offense only stars and Vooch again who was very solid I thought he had his best defensive season probably certainly since he was in Orlando last year um you know and I thought he actually did impact guys around the rim more than he has in the past but it still was uh like he's still not a great you know anchor type of defender and so yeah i mean you play these lineups where yeah those three guys are offense only and like who uh, other than kobe white is there anyone else that like can even really shoot well on this team like for their position or or as like really can do much on offense there's not much right and they haven't changed much <laughs> about that either yeah um i think patrick williams is kind of the one that you're nudging a little bit to, to shoot more he was like over 41 percent on threes last year but i think only three and a half attempts per game so 
volume, not where you'd want it for a guy that was playing uh, like 28, 30 minutes a night. Uh, but he really figures to be like the linchpin for like this team being more than extremely average. Uh, but I think that's kind of been the sort of emphasis of the offseason is um, redistributing the the wealth a little bit, so to speak, on the offensive end, changing up that shot diet. Um, and, and more than that, like they were 29th in three-point attempt rate. They need to shoot more threes. But I think their emphasis and what they've been saying, and I agree with it, is like generating like the way that they generate shots, right? So having more motion, more off-ball screen actions for guys to get open and just like get easier looks because they were very effective shooting the ball last year. I think they were like third in field goal percentage, um, 10th or 11th in effective field goal percentage. Like the ball went in at a high percentage for them, but obviously that didn't translate into offensive rating, right? So they were 24th. And I think they realized that like the way that they get their shots needs to change. They need to find more opportunities for easier offense if they do want to change up some of that stuff. So I think that's where Javon Carter comes in. He's obviously not like a table setter type of point guard, but I think he's going to play a big role next to those guys. We saw it yesterday in the preseason game, just like jacking up a couple of transition threes. Like they just need to get that volume up. Torrey Craig, I think helps a lot there too. When you contrast him with a Derek Jones Jr. or Javante Green, who were getting those back up four minutes last year. So I think they, they want to increase the volume. Uh, they want to, I think, kind of change how they play. But then you have all these other questions about how, what are like the trade-offs there? What are the, how does that net out? If you're like now shooting a bunch of threes, the ball isn't going in and all of a sudden you're not, you know, getting your defense set and playing against half court uh, offenses. Are you playing now in more in transition? So there's just like all these kind of trade-off questions that I have about a team that really wants to change what they are offensively without necessarily losing or sacrificing anything uh, on the defensive end, which is actually why they ended up being as good as they were, which was only 40-42. At Amica Insurance, we know it's more than just a car. It's the two-door coupe that was there for your first drive. The hatchback that took you cross-country and back. And the minivan that tackles the weekly carpool. For the cars you couldn't live without, trust Amica Auto Insurance. Amica. Empathy is our best policy. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Were you were you down in Nashville for the first? Uh, I was. Yeah. So, like you, you mentioned that they they want to change their their shot profile. Is that that's kind of what they're saying? Is has that been like a common theme? Yeah, it's it's like the the four factors, the shot profile, and I think more than anything, like the way that they want to get those shots. Um, despite having Demar Derozan and Zach Levine, they were twentieth in free throw attempt rate, which is kind of crazy to me. I don't really know if I can um, what to make of that. Um, and just like why that number wouldn't have been a little bit higher, but I mean, it's, it's Vucevic, isn't it? Like, I, I mean, the number of shots, yeah. the the usage it's, that he it's has. It's and everybody else. Yeah. Uh, I'm sorry? It's it's him and everybody else. I mean, it was yeah. only Zach and Damar, but for, for guys that are as high volume, free throw attempt rate guys, you know, you'd, you'd think it'd be a little bit higher. Um, 
but they, they really struggled there as a group. They didn't offensive rebound, as I mentioned, 29th and three-point attempts. Um, and so they want to like change all that stuff and crash the glass more. But again, how does that affect your transition defense? Um, if you're shooting a lot more threes and you're not making them, how does that affect your transition and half-court defense? Um, and so I think kind of the things that they've been emphasizing is improving all that stuff without losing anything defensively. And the way to do that is obviously to put more shooters on the floor. And that's where you get the Javon Carter and, and the Tory Craig minutes. Um, but also just like getting all the way to the rim on drives um, and like being more decisive with not only spray outs, but like actually shooting off the catch. I mean, you coined record scratch many years ago. They they really have perfected that um, that tactic on the offensive end where, you know, DeMar will get into the paint and kick it out. And then and Patrick Williams or even Kobe White will just kind of like sit on it for a second or take that negative step um, and turn the ball over or just have to kick it back out and reset the offense for DeMar with now 10 or 12 seconds on the shot clock. So they need to get more decisive. They need to get into the paint more. They need to tilt the defense and, and get them shifting side to side a little bit more to create those up and shots. But they also just need to be more decisive when they have those opportunities. I think they just they passed up so much last year and, and left a lot on the table. Yeah, and then that leads to a lot of playing slow, a lot of DeRozan ISO at the end of the clock. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I just want to go back to the free throw attempt because some of these numbers are just like absolutely incredible and people nationally may not realize them. Like DeMar DeRozan, basically right where he always has been, slight decline, but still 7.0 per 36 minutes. Zach Levine is just over five. You, you wish maybe as, as much as he has the ball that that could be a little bit better, but it, it's hard for me to say that he is the problem. So let me get this in front of me here. Nikola Vucevic, 2.1 free throw attempts per 36 minutes. That means he gets fouled once per game. And that's good <laughs> because your uh, fourth through seventh guys in terms of minutes played on the season, all guys who played over 1,500 minutes. Patrick Williams, 1.6. Io DeSumo, 1.4. Kobe White, 1.5. Alex Caruso, 1.7. That is unbelievable. Like, and, and I don't think Javon Carter is going to necessarily be helping that either. But it's just like to think of that, that you just, you have two guys who get fouled more than once per game. That's insane. <laughs> that is, or, or get a shooting foul more than once per game. So, yeah, I mean, that's. Yeah, and I think that's, that's like the whole problem with, I think that's like a really good microcosm of their, the, the problems that they've had with their entire offense is it's Zach and Damar doing everything and everybody else just either not being involved or not making anything of the opportunities that they get. So I think it's a really good point. Um, we talk a lot about, you know, DeMar and Zach being the ones that carry the offensive burden, but like Patrick Williams, for example, has been talking about drawing more fouls all last season. It's something that he wants to do more of and needs to do more of. But when you, you know, try to attack a closeout and you stop at the elbow and, and pull up, you're just not getting fouled there. So repeatedly, that's been something that Billy has been talking about uh, over this training camp. And again, it's like, it's nice to hear all this stuff. They acknowledge what the problems are, but when you have the same exact roster, say for a couple of role players, can you actually change all this stuff that you want to change? And then 
on top of that, can you do it without sacrificing the things that you were actually good at last year? Right. That That's the big kind of existential question for me because, yeah, I mean, Patrick Williams, okay, he's going to pull up at the elbow, fine. But like, you know, I, I mean, I remember an early season game where like he went in and tried to, I think it was Christian Coloco, he tried to just dunk on him a bunch of times and just got rejected because like the other team's seven footer is standing right next to the basket. And, uh, or, you know, even if it is Vucevic giving you some spacing from that position you know you just like there isn't space to get to the basket like how do you get to the foul line well you put the opposing team in a compromised position and you get to the basket you know if you're a support guy obviously if you you, tomorrow has his like pump fake tricks uh, and all that but that to me is the the big question about this team and you know this frequently is the case i was kind of like hey you know the bulls are kind of the same but uh, and what you're saying is so interesting about how they want to play differently. But to some extent, you do know that some of the things they tried have worked to a certain extent. And so, all right, all right, I mean, Kobe White to me is like such a linchpin for what this team is going to look like. He started at point guard. I want to get your thoughts on that in the first preseason game. But like, okay, you're going to start him at point guard and you know, you're going to play Patrick Williams or maybe Caruso doesn't quite play as much. Not that he really can play more minutes than he has. Uh, you know, Carter, is he going to shoot a, a lot more threes this year? Like, is that, you know, maybe Carter is the guy who can kind of do both of those things, at least a little bit, because he took, I think, six per, th- per 36 minutes last year in Milwaukee in kind of an underrated season, hitting 40%. But that's interesting. Like, okay, the, I, they've sort of, they found something that like kind of works over the last couple of years defensively. And so like, yeah, you know what? They, they need to improve the offense, but like, eh, there's some risk there too. Like they could fuck up their defense too. Exactly. Um, and, you know, we it was against the Bucks with no Giannis, no Dame, no Chris Middleton, um, and the starters or like the Zach DeMar, Booch trio only played for like 15 minutes. So it, it's hard to say, obviously, during uh, preseason in general, like we'll have to get a decent sample size during the regular season. But um, it's yeah, it's such an interesting question because you have to almost play different guys in order to play differently on offense. Um, you can like ask Zach to shoot more threes. I think he was only at like seven per game last year. But then you're kind of asking him to not do some of the other stuff that he does, which is drive and get to the the basket. Like you want to, he's not going to be like a a no mid range guy, but you want to turn that down a little bit. But like, you can't just tell DeMar to start shooting a bunch of threes. Like that's, and I don't even think that's going to help things. That's going to make you worse because of how good he is at the stuff he does do. If he's not doing that, then what are you doing? So without really changing up the roster, you're banking on this internal development or these guys just like developing skills out of nowhere. Um, and they did bring in a shooting coach for the first time. Uh, Peter Patton, who I think comes over from the Mavericks, uh, has been uh, named the director of player development. And hopefully he has an impact on these guys in terms of, you know, shooting volume and shooting percentage. But uh, yeah, I mean, you're, you're going to have to make some sacrifices here, I think with the way that, that they play. And you mentioned Kobe, that, that was for me kind of a surprise to see him start. Like they're, they're kind of tipping it uh, throughout the course of training camp that that might be the case. But for me, it was always, it made sense that Javon Carter would be that guy because he does give you that point of attack defense. He does give you high volume threes. And on top of that, you've seen proof of concept where the Patrick Beverly and uh, Alex Caruso and with the Zach DeMar Vooch trio did really well. Like they were awesome last year. I think they were like plus 13 and a half or 14. Um, So why not go back to that? uh, Or at least something that is like the closest facsimile of that that Mm -hmm. you can. Um, 
So it, it's just interesting. And I don't think Kobe is like the 100% full-time 82-game starter necessarily, but it does seem like they're at least leaning that way for now. Yeah, it does seem to provide a little more balance to start Javon Carter uh, because he does get, he is the guy who can get over screens and pressure. Uh, and you don't really want to start Caruso because of his shooting and the fact that he just can't play that many minutes uh, as well. So now you're bringing both Carter and Caruso in. I mean, you know, of course that could be taken care of a little bit uh, by staggering but yeah that is interesting most coaches like to go defense first i mean maybe it's just been that you know they had a competition and kobe white is winning it right now maybe that's all it is yeah and and i think they also kind of want to develop him like he's one of the guys that's been around he i think has the most scope to grow offensively um and i think he did a really good job last year no no he got he got drafted by garpax he sucks he can't be good yeah Yeah, it's, but it's interesting that like he's the he's he and Zach are obviously the the two holdovers, um, and the, the front office has committed to them. They they paid both of those guys. Um, I do think Kobe improved a ton last year. He got a lot better defending in space. I think he kind of. I mean, we had a talk last year. Where he was just like, "Yeah, I know that I'm not going to play if I'm if they're picking on me every time. Like, I need to get better on that end." Um, and obviously he's not like a stopper, but I think he's at the point where he, he's, you know, slightly sub average or yeah. at least playable physically. Like there's um, no so, reason, there's no reason physically why he should be bad. Yeah. I mean, six, five, he's got, I think a shorter wingspan, sure. but, um, he's a strong guy and I think it's just like an awareness and an attention to detail thing. Um, so I think he improved in that area too. And so if you're getting that with the ability to get downhill, the passing has been a work in progress, but I think he's improved there too. And then obviously you can run him off some screens and let him shoot and at least just like try to get Zach and DeMar the ball in areas where they want it. I think he does make a lot of sense offensively, but unless he's really taking a step forward defensively, then still you're at this crossroads of like at at the cost of defense. And um, I don't know, maybe they just are willing to make that sacrifice this year because they think they have even more scope to grow offensively. I have my questions about that, but um, I think they, they all have just been kind of saying like we know we need to do stuff differently because it didn't work last year with the same group um so i think there's like a general sense of buy-in to that idea but um you know if they they hit some adversity at some point early in the season is that going to just like disappear and they go back to the things that they felt worked for them last year so it's just they're just an interesting team and to, to bring all the way back to the first question you asked is there a team that has changed as little as the Bulls have? Um, it, it still is kind of crazy to me that they just have not made any major or even like secondary moves um, that, that would actually like fundamentally impact things. It's just it's it's bizarre. Yeah, other than being scared of the tax and like not wanting to use the full mid-level, although really there were not that many guys out there that I would have loved the full mid-level. Like, you know, George Niang would have been someone that I think maybe they could have gone after, but, you know, he has his own kind of one-way limitations as well. I don't know that there was a a guy for the mid-level who was going to transform this team. And like, I do, like, I kind of, I mean, Kobe White played 74 games last year and started two, but I think it was like, you kind of know what it looks like if you're going to start Javon Carter, because he's kind of similar to a Patrick Beverly or some of the other guys who have played. So, yeah, give it a shot with Kobe. Let's see. But what if, like, having him out there and maybe a little development for Patrick Williams, all of a sudden this is, like, an amazing offensive team, right? Like, you, I mean, that's what they thought they were getting when they had put DeRozan, Vucevic, and Levine all together. Like, maybe that just, like, having more shooting at the one 
actually just like really unlocks all all this stuff for for those guys like i'm i'm willing to especially given how stagnant it's kind of been like i i kind of like the idea of starting kobe white let's see what happens and hey you know what if it doesn't work uh and you don't you know you're not as successful as you have been you've always got the javon carter in your back pocket go back to playing how you're playing that you know has your floor at 500 or or kind of whatever it is at amica insurance we know it's more than just a car It's the two-door coupe that was there for your first drive. The hatchback that took you cross-country and back. And the minivan that tackles the weekly carpool. For the cars you couldn't live without, trust Amica Auto Insurance. Amica. Empathy is our best policy. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Any other like big storylines out of camp? Um, yeah, I think just kind of what I grazed over there for a second, which was just like this this idea of like commitment to buying into playing differently. Um, they, I think last year, you know, the the GM Mark Eversley kind of mentioned this a couple of times uh, over the summer, where it was like these guys are friends and they like each other, but like they didn't really like bond in the way that they would have needed to in order to like hold each other accountable and like make their way through uh, some of the tough times that of course you run into in an NBA season. And so I think, you know, there's an attempt to try to address that. Like they're, they're saying and doing, I think all the right things so far. Um, And it's just a matter of like, let's see if it actually works. I I think that's the big one. Um, It does seem like guys are really attempting to buy into that. Like they had the old DeMar DeRozan can throw a football 70 yards at the Titans facility and the top golf thing. Like I think they're trying um, and hopefully that works, but uh, just the idea that they're like saying and doing all the right things, I think is a step forward uh, because like all these things were present last year too. And, and quite frankly, like the second half of the year before that, after Alonso went down, um, and so it's kind of like taking them longer than it probably should to acknowledge and address some of these issues. But, um, the fact that they're, that they seem to be doing that seem to be attempting to change things in that way from like, a, a team chemistry, uh, perspective from a team bonding perspective. I think there's some hope that those things sort of coalesce in a way that, um, helps them move through some of the, the problems that they had. Uh, one of those like off-court intangible things, but I think that can have some some power. I think heading into next season. What about in the rotation? Any rotational battles that are still kind of yet to be decided, and, and maybe you can just kind of take us through uh, how you expect uh, that rotation to shake out. Yeah, uh, we, we kind of touched on it. I think Kobe right now seems to be the guy, but Billy Donovan has basically done everything to avoid saying that he is going to be the guy. Uh, we saw IO play with, uh, with that, the rest of that starting group yesterday, a little bit. Um, I think he'll get some run. I do think Javon will be the guy, but in training camp, they basically like separated the, the team into five or into four groups of five. And they ran Kobe as the point guard in the starting unit and then had IO and Javon playing together and, and sort of sort of sharing co-point guard duties um 
I don't like Javon is not really the guy that can like get you into your offense. I think he's more of like a three and D point guard. Yeah. Um, I, so I've always joked that there's going to be, I always joked that Javon Carter trying to bring the ball up against Javon Carter would just lead to like the, the ball would never get over half court. Exactly. Yeah. And I, and I don't think like, I think the, the, the bulls need somebody to try to get them into their sets. Like if they want to do what they say they want to do, which is to like not have DeMar bring the ball up and then back down and get right into the post. Like if they want to try to run him off of some screens or like run a zipper to try to get him the ball at the elbow, he needs somebody to get him the ball at the elbow. And so you do have to have somebody that can kind of effectively bring the ball across half court, which is kind of like a funny thing to have to think about when you're talking about an NBA team. Um, So I I do get it from the uh, perspective that Kobe gives you that offense I do want to see it more with Javon, but I think that's really the big question mark as far as rotation and lineup so far as like, who's going to end up with that starting role. Um, and then the closing role too. I mean, I think you have to have Caruso in there. He was playing the four for the most part at the end of last year. Um, obviously is not going to be starting and playing 28 minutes a game this year, but uh, it's like, who is that? Who is that fifth guy in those units? So Kobe, in lineups with the Marzak and Vooch, Kobe, um, they were plus 24 in 116 possessions. With Patrick, they were plus 8 in 405 possessions. With Io, they were plus 9.7 in 200 possessions. Um, and then, as I mentioned before, with Patrick Beverly, plus 13.7 in 516 possessions. So, they, they, like, as long as Caruso's on the court, you've got a chance to be good. And I think it's just going to be about figuring out the best match um, at the point guard position there. Uh, and maybe, maybe it's Caruso and Pat and, and Caruso is more of the guy that can bring it across the timeline. So we'll just kind of see, but it, it does seem like Patrick is, has the, the power forward starting power forward job, um, locked in a little bit, but I liked what I saw yesterday in that preseason game, which was start Patrick, let him play with the starters for a couple minutes, but have a quick hook on him, bring Tory Craig in, let him be the floor spacer, the offensive rebounder, the defender, that you kind of need next to those three guys. And then you can bring Patrick back in and kind of start to stretch out his game offensively a little bit in, you know, second units or uh, lineups that don't have both Zach and DeMar in them. Just because at some point you need to figure out if this guy can do much of anything on the ball. He just like kind of hasn't had the opportunities um, with the ball in his hands. He's had opportunities to be an impact player without the ball in his hands. And I don't think he's necessarily succeeded in that um, entirely so far in his career, but I do think you want to just kind of get a sense of what he can do with the ball. So I, I like that. And I think he'll probably start for the most part, but Billy is like, he does not mess around with rotations. Like he, he really has no problem pulling a guy, making it seem like it's not a demotion. Like he's just trying to like massage things and find the right, um, the best compliment to Zach Demarnovich because really that's what it's about. And like you mentioned, those guys playing a lot of minutes together, the net rating not being very good when they're on the court. So I think ultimately that's what they have to find is like, who's the best compliment, not necessarily who's the best individual player. It's a good way to think about it. And Caruso surely is going to be in the closing lineup, you would think, most nights. I mean, maybe there's a chance that he reduces a little bit in effectiveness. You know, it really was only probably about five years ago that he came on the scene. Uh, but uh, Caruso, is, uh, this is going to be his age 30 season, uh, or pretty close to it. He's 29.6. Our, our spreadsheet has him at uh, right now. I'm not sh- converting tenths into into twelfths. I'm not sure whether that gets his birthday before uh, February 1st or not. But he... Uh, uh, 
like I suppose there's a possibility he could fall off or maybe his offense will just become completely unplayable but in the regular season that doesn't seem to be the case and he'll still run he'll force turnovers like he's he's avoided being like that negative of an offensive player during the regular season so I'm going to presume he's going to be in there and then it's just kind of yeah rotating cast it could be Patrick Williams it could be Kobe White it could be Javon Carter it could be Io DeSumo like the Io DeSumo and Javon Carter like that competition is kind of interesting it's interesting to me you said that they're they played together some particularly if the second unit's also going to include caruso as well that would be uh <laughs> that'd be rather interesting to see and so, it's like yeah. you don't really see these full line changes in the nba anymore it's no. like it's all about staggering your stars in but that's kind of what exactly what we saw in that first preseason game it's and i was got it. they not expecting stagger. that surely they'll stack there's no way they can survive minutes without one of zach or demar on the court so i would imagine that's the case um, this is maybe just like a preseason thing, but I was I was pretty floored by that. What would be your de facto closing lineup uh, on most nights if it were up to you? I want to see more of Javon before I really lock this in, but I think just based on what we saw last year with Patrick Beverly and Caruso, that makes the most sense. Um, you get that three-point shooting. You get that point of attack defense. You kind of give Caruso a chance to play off the ball and free safety a little bit. Uh, which the Bulls really need, like I said, with Zach and DeMar being the guys that are oftentimes in rotation, you need somebody to clean up a lot of that stuff. And so, you know, even if Kobe has improved in that area, he's not one that's going to be like getting ahead of the next mistake in the way that Crusoe can. Yeah. Um, and so I think you you kind of want just like as much security on that end as you can. And I think Javon gives you that. Io was good in those scenarios last year, but his free agency was like a little weird the fact that it took so long for him to get signed, um, they ended up giving him more money than they needed to, more money than I thought he would get. Um, and after like almost two months, I think, of you know just him being on the restricted market uh, to just kind of give him more than the qualifying offer, I thought was a little strange. Uh, so, but all that to say, like he's he's being paid in that same range as Javon. Uh, I think actually a little bit more. So, whatever what, what for whatever that's worth um, in terms of minutes, who knows? But I think they've got a lot of options. I would probably lean towards Javon. He's he's been the one that I've been thinking about most in that role. But I think like like I kind of alluded to earlier, so much of this hinges on Patrick and Kobe's development and whether they can like parlay that into the next era. Um, or whether they can even just be a, a real playoff team, not just a play-in team next year. Like if those guys can take a step forward to the point where they're closing games, I think that would be like best case scenario for the team. But for me right now, I'd probably lean Caruso and Javon just because I think you know what you're going to get a little bit more from them. No, th- that makes sense to me too. And, you know, but I do think it'll be certainly a, a fluid thing where particularly Patrick Williams, you know, if he's going well, they're ge- they're generally going to want to try to encourage him the next question i had before we kind of start thinking about this team holistically is you know improvement candidates regression candidates anybody really jump out to you yeah i think improvement you want to hope patrick and uh and kobe i think kobe like the second half of last season he was like legitimately really good um he was scoring the ball he was shooting a lot of threes he was moving it well he was getting into the paint um it just felt like the game kind of slowed down for him and he was able to kind of take advantage of the skills that i think in the past he's just been a little bit too sped up. And and he's talked about this too, where he's just, I mean, he's so fast and throughout high school and college, like he was just faster than everybody. And then you get to the NBA and you're not the fastest guy anymore. You kind of have to develop some more skills to be able to utilize that um, and learn how to change 
paces. And um, I think he's really worked on his ball handling, which has helped too. So I think he's going to continue to get better um, if he plays the way that he did in the second half of last season. I think he's going to be, uh, I, I could definitely see him being like the full-time starting point guard. Um, and then Patrick, yeah, like there've been sort of a lot of excuses for him uh, made over the years of, as far as missing uh, almost the whole season two years ago and not really getting a chance because of, uh, you know, missing however many games. And then there was COVID and you didn't get a full training camp and all this stuff. But it's like, at some point you, you just got to like start to put it together. I mean, it's year four and you're as athletic and big and skilled as you are, you have to sort of make an impact in some way. And I think he's got too much there to kind of float and be invisible as much as he was last year. So Again, maybe just wishful thinking, but I think those are, those are the two guys that you want to see. At Amica Insurance, we know it's more than just a house. It's your home, the place that's filled with memories. The early days of figuring it out to the later years of still figuring it out. For the place you've put down roots, Trust Amica Home Insurance. Amica. Empathy is our best policy. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. And then as far as like... Well, well quickly, let me stop you on, on Patrick. I'm, sure. what, what do you think of him at this point? You know, you've been watching him for three years. He's in extension negotiations, presumably, uh, as we speak. But like, I mean, what do you think his prospects are this season? Maybe even in, into the future a little bit, because as you've noted, he's kind of like the one out that they have to take this team to another level. Like, is he a guy where we're talking about him after this season is like, oh, this guy's like a legitimate, like very good starting four in the league. Could he be on that path? Does he have the path to even unlock more? In your opinion, I know it's tough that you don't never want to pigeonhole a guy. We're kind of talking about probabilities here. And, you know, I'm, I'm not asking you to like preclude certain outcomes, but if you just kind of think of if your assessment just of kind of the path that he's on, if this just he sort of continues the development that he's had so far. Well, I think he's Kawhi Leonard, but DeMar DeRozan is holding him back from being great. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like the the Kawhi comparisons have been so ridiculous, and I kind of feel bad that people keep saying that. Um, but that is kind of like a major talking point for a lot of fans right now is like we need to put the ball in Patrick's hands to see what he can do. And I think that there's some truth in that, and that's why I was kind of mentioning I'm excited to see him in the second unit kind of stretch his game out a little bit and see if he can score at all. But um, so I guess I'll, I'll start with like the things I think he does well now, which are defending bigger guys. I think he did a really good job on, I mean, as, as good a job as you can on the Giannis's and the Tatum's of the world. Um, obviously just like a super big and strong guy with, with a long wingspan, um, great athlete. Uh, so I think he can do that stuff. Well, I don't think he is like a lockdown stopper where you can, guard him down positions. Like I think he gets in trouble trying to navigate screens against smaller guards. Um, he did have a really nice block on Ty Ty Washington yesterday uh, in isolation as, as Ty Ty was shooting a three. So that was good to see. Um, but I think he's a solid defender right now. And I think he'll continue to level up uh, as a scheme defender. 
which I think he's already good at. And, and um, you know, just those guys that can sort of be a body that stays in front of a Giannis or a Tatum or a Jimmy Butler, like those guys are so rare. And I think you, you're going to get more opportunities if you can, if you can even just like be that guy in theory. So I think he's got, um, I think he's already good. And I think he's got more room to grow defensively. And I think that's going to give him a floor of minutes um, to where you, you are going to just, he is going to be a valuable contributor um, to me. It's like, it's the offense um, as a role player, which I think has been not terrible, but not great either. Like he shooting 41%, 41.5% on threes last year was awesome, but only three, three and a half attempts. He's really got to get that up. Like if you're playing with Damar and Zach, you've got to be ready to, to launch. And I think like he should be shooting for five and a half or six per game next year. And I think those shots are available to him. Um, and so that's, I think, an area of sort of disappointment so far, which is that he hasn't necessarily taken advantage of a lot of the opportunities that he gets. And I think that goes for the shooting. I think it goes for attacking closeouts and pulling up. Like, I, I think he's shown a comfort level getting to the elbow. Like he, he loves his like one or two dribble going to the left, pull up jumper at the elbow. Yes. Um, but like, can he, can he put his head down and go all the way to the rim? Can he start to uh, get to the free throw line at a higher rate? I mean, like you said, 1.3, free throw attempts per game last year is just, you're not going to be an efficient scorer if you aren't getting the free throw line. Um, I, I think he, he, there's stuff there and you see flashes of it. It's not like, Oh shit. He had like a 28 point game kind of flash. It's like, Oh, he just scored like three straight possessions in the third quarter of a game in February, kind of a flash. And you, you just, you need to see more of that to really believe it. But the fact that there's any of it there, I think gives you some confidence. Um, but like, he's just got a back cut. He's got to get out in transition. He's got to get all the way to the rim. Like all that really basic role player stuff. I think if he does that well, you could be up over 12, 14 points per game right there. And I think people are looking at you a lot differently. Um, and if he does get to a point where he's doing that all at a high level, and I think he can, that's maybe when you get to expand your your offense a little bit as far as creation. And I think his, I think he's got some stuff there. He is uh, a good passer. He's got good vision. Um, I like what I've seen from him as a screener flaring out or rolling. Um, you know, he, he can be a lob threat. He can be a pick and pop guy. So there's stuff there. And then if he can just like develop his ball handling a little bit, I think that would really unlock some stuff. I think that's kind of an underrated element of player development in general, where you can be like a, a spot up guy or you can be a rim rolling guy. But if you can like start to connect some of those things with really good ball handling, that can really open up your game. And so that I think he would be able to display his passing a little bit more. If he tightened up his handle, he'd be able to get all the way downhill a little bit more, wouldn't have to rely on the mid-range jumper so much. Maybe he's going to free throw line more and, and really start to open up uh, some more efficient scoring avenues. So I think it's there. I think that one skill of, of ball handling has been sort of like the the limiting factor, so to speak. Um, but there's enough as far as like the shooting touch and the athleticism and the defense that like, I think, I think there's like a good player there. I'm not sure he's going to be, you know, a 20 point per game guy anytime soon, maybe ever. But I think the Bulls certainly feel confident enough that he is worth the continued investment. Um, so I don't know what, I can't remember exactly what number you guys had on him in the mock extension episode. I think, but it, was like I think it was about 100, 100 over five. So is that 95 yeah, over five? Yeah, I think, I mean, I would, I would feel fine about that. Um, I don't know, after seeing his buddy Doug Sell get whatever he got, like 146 
Uh, maybe that changed his mind a little bit, but um, he just hasn't done enough yet. And obviously you want to pay a guy for what he will do, not what he has done necessarily. But um, when you are as kind of unproven, but skilled as Patrick is, I think it's going to be an interesting negotiation. But if it were me, I just, uh, unless you're really, you know, pushing all your chips in and getting a, a star player back, I, I don't see why they would not continue to invest in him. I think there's at, at the very least like a big wing who can shoot threes and there's some creation potential. Like that's a guy you want to keep around and invest in. Yeah, I think like it's very encouraging what you said uh, about his defense. And if he can have uh, maybe not necessarily be like an impact defender, but very solid there, like that's a good starting point. And his his steals and blocks have kind of crept up a little bit over the years. You mentioned uh, him getting better uh, as that secondary room protect or uh, yeah, room defender. So I, I think that that's pretty solid and, and encouraging. And for me, I just. I don't think he has like quite, you know, just the bend and the feel, you know, for offensive basketball. Yeah. But the, you know, we've seen some guys develop that. Uh, and but you know, and I also think that like his athleticism, he's not like a quick jumper. Like he really, like he can get up there if he really loads up. But it just it kind of takes him some time. Um, yeah, so. you can really see that in in his pull up jumper. Like it just. Yeah. It's like, it's almost like you're playing 2K and the game lags like halfway into his load. Um, and he also does the Lowry marketing thing, which is so funny that the Bulls have had two of these guys now who just, you know, once every couple of games try to just dunk on someone extremely hard and miss or like hit the rim. Or well, throw well, Lowry, the rim. Lowry succeeded a lot last year. Lowry <laughs> figured it out. So hopefully that means Patrick is, is on his way. Or as soon as he gets traded to Utah via Cleveland, he'll figure it out. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks. No, no that's a, a, a little bit of a digression from the team this year, but I, I think one of the most important questions around the Bulls. Uh, any like key strengths we haven't talked about yet for these guys? Um, yeah. I mean, I think it's really it all kind of comes back to the defense for me and like how much you're really taking away from that. If you are going to try to change things offensively. Um, so I don't know that there's anything more that I haven't said on that front, but like, if you're looking at things that this team did well, it's like shoot efficiently from the mid range and play defense and you got to diversify the offense a little bit. So like, can you do that without sacrificing much on defense? Um, I think like, you know, in terms of major, like questions or I don't know you would qualify this as like a weakness. Um, but just like some of the clutch stuff from last year was super weird too. And I think maybe there's a, a little bit of room to regress back to the mean uh, in a positive way for them there that, you know, maybe helps turn things just a little bit. No, that's a good point. And I mean, it's the exact opposite of what took place two years ago when, of course, uh, tomorrow's and had there been a Jerry West award that year, he probably would have won it. He had like the back to back game winning three pointers, which I think had never happened before. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I, I think the one there, legger off the uh, yeah. against the Pacers was that's just like. I mean, that whole, that whole month of February for him, he was like breaking Will Chamberlain stats. So, I mean, that like, you're not going to see him do that over and over again. So maybe he's like a regression candidate in that way. But um, I think if you're talking about regression too, like they were 15 and 23 in the clutch last year with a zero net rating. So you figure that's at least going to get closer to average. I don't think it's going to flip the 25 and 16 that it was the year before, but even if that's, you know, 18 and 16 or 16 and 18, like the record looks a lot different. Yeah. I'll throw another couple of things out there. Uh, just as we kind of think about their performance, um, 
you know, I mean, Demar's 34, Vooch is 33. Vooch, in to me, in many ways, almost had the best season of his career. Uh, I think he was by far the best two-point shooting of his career. I thought he was up there for uh, among the best defensive seasons of his career. Uh, and, and again, you could probably shed more light on this, but he his those little like quick flip hook shots that he absolutely never get fouls on gets fouled on with either hands like those really went in last year at a rate that they just hadn't previously. So that especially at his age that does kind of make me think like all right is that uh something that could regress and tomorrow you know he took a step back from two years ago when he was even in the mvp consideration and considering his clutch play maybe even rightly so you know he got back to kind of around the level that he was at maybe his last year in san antonio and just like a little bit of natural regression from those guys now levine i think could be better particularly considering how poorly he started the year and then he really was much better by the end of the year he found himself uh, after the offseason knee surgery he's going into like his absolute prime uh this is uh is gonna be his age 29 season you know uh so and then pretty much everyone else in the rotation is young enough that they should either stay the same or uh, even some of the young guys you're talking about potentially improve and uh when we get into weaknesses, they absolutely never get an offensive rebound. Uh, Andre Drummond is like the only guy who does anything on there. And, you know, he's kind of a one-man offensive rebounding crew, but he also is like the least efficient actual like, converter of offensive rebounds. So it's not as valuable maybe as it would be for some other guys. Um, I, I guess strength. I mean, well, just to, uh, yeah, go ahead. Sorry. I was going to say, let's uh, let's focus on the, the mid three or the big three, whatever you want to call them. Uh, for a second, because I feel like we've talked around them a lot. But yeah, uh, that often happens on these like, because people are just kind of familiar with them. But yeah, no, I, I do think it, yeah. it is worth and getting they, into more. They are really familiar. But you mentioned the the two point shooting from Booch. Um, and I mean, that was just like such an outlier last year. Um, I'm glad you noticed that stat because he was, I believe, 60 percent on twos um between not just like on two pointers i think he's 59% on twos which was like 6 7% better than what he was last few years but on shots from 3 to 10 feet away from the basket he was 60% which is like 10 or 15% better than his previous few years so yeah i think you're probably going to see some regression there um he was passing up a ton of threes and he kind of talks a lot about being like a spot up three point shooter guy now and uh, not just like floating around the perimeter as much as he did in his Orlando days. But I mean, he took 4.2 threes per game last year, that second all-star season uh, where he was really dominant. The Bulls ended up trading for him. He was at six and a half. So I think he's got um, some scope to shoot a bit more from deep. But the, the thing that I probably should have mentioned before about like major storylines is he's been saying this. And I think Billy has been saying it too, is that they want to try to, play through him a little bit more, not in like the point Jokic sense, but in like the, just let, let him be sort of like an offensive hub and let Zach and Kobe come off the screens and, and let him find him or cut. Um, and, and just like run some more complex actions to where you're at least looking for some easier source of offense before you just dump it to Demar and say, go create something out of nothing. Um, so I think he'll be maybe a little bit more featured in the offense, maybe not necessarily as, as high percentage or high volume of a scorer. Um, and maybe his assists don't even like boost up that much either. But I think if the bulls are going to have success on the offensive end this year, they need to move more. They need like, they just need to like find easier offense at any point throughout the course of a game. It's just such a slog sometimes. And I think playing off of Vooch, cutting off of Vooch, letting him be the one that like, you know, takes the offense from one side of the court to the other being that sort of connective piece 
Um, and, and replicating, I think, a lot of what the Bulls miss without Lonzo. And obviously, he's a very different player. But like Lonzo was so great at just like getting the ball from one side to the next or like from one action to the next. I think they hope to utilize Vooch in that way a little bit more this year. So I, I, I think like some scoring or box score regression could be in order. Um, I think there's potential for defensive regression just because I agree that he had probably the best defensive year that I've seen from him. Um, but I think they're hoping to unlock some more of like the passing, you know, DHO game, uh, letting Zach or Kobe come off of screens and shoot threes kind of stuff that you'd see from a Bam out of bio Duncan Robinson or a Sabonis and Kevin Herter. I think they can run some more of that stuff that kind of implements Vooch a little bit better into the offense and allows him to at least feel like he's he's more of a fixture. And and, and hopefully that means that whether or not like statistically he's regressing, regressing, he's at least like playing a little bit better, if that makes sense. Yeah, it does. And I, you know, I would love to see Zach Levine playing more in that type of game and Kobe White playing more in that type of game. Those are really the only two guys, you know, who could shoot threes off a handoff in theory. So it is tough to play that way. And I'm not sure that Vuce is quite a passer on the level of a Sabonis, obviously, or Jokic, maybe even more kind of certainly, certainly not, but he might be the best passer on this team. Yeah, maybe not the best playmaker, but maybe the best pure passer. I could, I could buy that. I mean, Demar is, is he's made himself into being being pretty good, but he yeah. obviously looked for his own offense. But I, I, what I was going to exactly. start saying though is those teams you have enough spacing where you can add the backdoor element and maybe, you know, the center can get two or three assists on the backdoor as a counter. Whereas the bulls, they just don't have enough spacing. There's always going to be a help defender underneath. And so they're just not going to be able to get many of those system type of buckets. Those usually are born of having an action way out on the perimeter that the opposing team is totally afraid of. And, you know, and maybe Levine could become such a feared shooter off of handoffs that they feel like the center action who's guarding Vooch has to actually get up on him and get out there. Every day, our world gets a little more connected, but a little further apart. But then there are moments that remind us to be more human. Thank you for calling Amica Insurance. Hey, uh, I was just in an accident. Don't worry, we'll get you taken care of. At Amica, we understand that looking out for each other isn't new or groundbreaking. It's human. Amica, empathy is our best policy. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. But I, I've always felt the idea of Vooch was a little bit better than the actuality just because it's like to have that shooting center in theory is great. But he's never been a guy where it's like, oh, we can't guard this guy with our center anymore. We got to put our power forward on him. We'll put our center on Patrick Williams or and switch everything involving him or, you know, that like the center really has to pressure up like teams will give up a three-pointer to Vooch. Like, yeah, okay. Like, you throw it to him. We'll try to close out. Sure. But it's not like, that's not like, oh, we have to take this away is like the number one thing that defenses are really focused on. So maybe that'll happen this year. But, you know, he's been most years, he's kind of in terms of both his volume and then you consider the percentage as well as kind of mired in the mid, even low 30s. At most years of his career, you know, it's hard to ask for that to change at 33. So, uh, 
you know, which is part of why I wasn't that big on them acquiring him, but that's, uh, that's spilled milk at this point. Um, any other, anything else you want to hit on here? Strengths and weaknesses wise? I got like a couple more. Um, yeah, I think just like Damar, um, in general, like he, uh, he kind of played through a bit of an injury towards the end of last season. I think like early January, he strained a quad or something like that. Oh yeah. Um, and just kind of wasn't the same after that. Um, and I think what was interesting there is obviously he still played for the most part, um, and played well, not to the same level as he had the year before. Um, but that was sort of a, an opportunity, I think, for Zach to kind of become more of the primary offense, uh, offensive initiator and they, their usage kind of flipped and Zach really took off in that second part of the season and really just like after January, he played really well. So I'm curious to see one kind of how that, uh, translates into next year when, you know, these guys are both going to be healthy, but two, like they did play better after all-star break. So is that something that they want to lean more into? And it's, it's sort of this question of, you know, can you afford to take the ball out of DeMar's hands? Because what he does, he's so good at obviously, but what he doesn't do really can strain the rest of your offense. I and mean, you're talking about not providing any spacing and clogging up the paint and taking away those driving lanes, those foul drawing opportunities. Like if DeMar doesn't have the ball in his hands, he can be, he can shoot. He does occasionally, but like he can kind of hurt you because he's not really cutting either. So um, I, I don't want to like indicate that there's any sort of friction between those two guys. I think they really like one another and like playing together, but I think stylistically there is some friction. And um, I just kind of wonder what that's going to look like next year, especially as DeMar gets older and, and Zach kind of has a, a full season of health under him after that surgery and is, like you said, really in the prime of his career. No, those are all interesting points. Uh, and, uh, you know, you do think maybe there will be a little bit of a changing of the guard there. But, of course, you know, especially given that the guys usually play 35 minutes or so, there's plenty of time for those guys to, to stagger and not play with one another. And the Bulls need them to do that. Two other things I would point out. I mean, just their guard depth is really good. Like, they just have a lot of guys who can defend. You know, we haven't really even talked about how to sumo. I don't think we have time to. But, I mean, he was a solid player for them these first couple of years. And then kind of he kind of fell off the radar and landed anguished uh, in free agency maybe more than would have been expected uh, by people you know after his rookie year when it seemed like he was really on the rise uh and then health yeah i mean i guess you can you can say hey they were really healthy last year but uh you know levine when he's been you know unless he suffers a devastating injury he's out there usually uh vooch never gets hurt he played all 82 last year and plays a lot of minutes uh, as well 34 minutes that's a ton for a center and DeRosa never gets hurt either uh or if he does as you noted last year he played through that injury and uh so you know those guys all played uh 74 or or more games maybe there'll be a little bit of a regression in there uh patrick williams played 82 games uh, as well uh you know caruso maybe is a little bit more of a threat uh kobe white hasn't really had any major injuries so i, I think like now you can say they might have a regression in health i i would buy that because they were very healthy last year other than of course lonzo just missing the whole year but we know he's gonna miss that again this year so uh but i think just generally these players there's no one that you look at as like oh this guy has a history of getting hurt like we think he's gonna play 40 games or something like that yeah zach third in minutes on the season vooch fourth and damar 11th so like you're probably not going to get that same level of output um and they still like i said did not 
perform very well as a trio. So like if they at any point do miss major time, like you're looking at maybe some trouble, but I think that's true for a lot of teams. Like the bulls probably had a little bit more luck injury wise than most. And maybe you factor in some regression there. I know a lot of the like Pelton's um, thing for ESPN and had health as like a, a key indicator of why they might fall back a little bit this year. And I think that, that's fair, but I think there's also probably some ways that they like with the clutch stats, for example, that they can kind of regress back up to the middle. So maybe it comes out in the wash, but I definitely, as these guys get older too, you have to at least be a little bit more concerned about that. All right. I'm going to give my try at predictions first here. And good luck. <laughs> I think these guys have like one of the narrower ranges, though. Um, I think they. Yeah, what, what do you think the range is? I think before even putting a number on it, because. Uh, that even i think at times can be confusing for me uh i don't know like 34 to 46 or something uh okay i I mean it's just it's hard for and and when a lot of that is probably just you know based on like clutch variance and stuff when you think of like net net rating i'm like it's hard for me to see these guys being any better than plus two or minus two in the end yeah uh you know unless obviously if a major injury happens then i I feel different like you know billy donovan is a solid coach i think he's gotten these guys to perform pretty well well, you know, they're going to play hard. They have like good enough depth outside of the big three that, you know, an injury or two there isn't going to kill them. They're trying. Uh, I mean, I guess the only thing to me that would really be could drop them because they do have their pick this year amazingly uh and then they go back to it being top 10 protected next year to san antonio with the DeRozan trade so maybe there could be a feeling but you know this is very anti-bulls that because like DeRozan, they he's extension eligible they haven't extended him yet that's very interesting right like vooch they brought him back but on a i thought they overpaid to do so but it's uh, maybe some people will think of that as a reasonable deal i don't know how many people are going to be interested in vooch because you know he's just not that's why i never thought you'd get traded from orlando either because he's just sort of not really that like playoff style of player but you know apparently the bulls really wanted to just make the playoffs and vooch can help you do that uh but you know derozan is the one where if they if they move on from him i mean they're just they're not gonna be good i think like he's just so important and has been so important to what they do and then then their offense will be absolutely atrocious if they get rid of him so uh you know maybe if they're five games under 500 or eight games under 500 and tomorrow's like yeah you know what i don't think i really want to come back here um now and i mean i think it'll really uh it's interesting too isn't his agent aaron goodwin uh who we just mm-hmm. saw uh involved in the the whole dame thing so if i'm demar Derozan, not the sort of player i mean we saw that there wasn't a ton of market for his services last time he's a tough fit so if i'm him and i don't necessarily want to be in chicago going forward it the bulls maybe realize hey this just really isn't working it doesn't make sense to pay this guy going forward for you know his age 35 season and up and you know we need to move into a a new era of bulls basketball kicking and screaming because you know they they don't like to do that but uh you know this just is not working. they're not even gonna make the playoffs this with this group they're looking like you know 10th seed then maybe demar's like well you know i'd like to be traded so i can go somewhere that'll have my bird rights uh, and uh, re-sign me you know like a, a, the la lakers are a team that absolutely like probably has enough to get that done and at the deadline we'll have enough expiring contracts you know that 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 sort of thing uh or you know the clippers are looking for another guy another ball handler so like there teams like that that he couldn't go to in free agency 
obviously you could see him kind of wanting to get moved there and you know the price might be reasonable for him so that's if they kind of decide to move on from him or he decides that he's it's just not working here and he wants to get somewhere that's going to pay him that maybe is how they go like way under yeah i think that that 37 and a half line um i'm sure if it's still there but that's kind of where the sports book opened um i think that really bakes in for the idea that they might sell off um and i just i mean they were like six or eight games under 500 at the deadline last year i'll believe it when i see so it's like exactly i just i can't buy that right now um everything that and obviously it's like they're not going to publicly say that we're going to blow it up at the deadline if things aren't going well um but the front office has just been very committed to their team to the idea of competing uh being anti blow it up for the sake of change um so i just don't know that i see that and obviously a lot can change uh over the course of a season i think there would probably like you kind of mentioned have to be some pressure coming from whether it's zach or damar uh in order for them to actually make a move yeah. but even then i, I think mean, they they've still like all levine. the smoke they explored levine trades too uh, apparently exactly although, and, and all although, that smoke yeah. was get something for levine and keep damar and vooch so i just don't know that they have an appetite for that and i think outside of everything else they're just extremely average um so i, I kind of think their their record reflects that i think they're going to be in like the 40 to 42 43 win range um last year i think they were like last in expected win difference based on their point differential yeah i've, I've got that here. they they had uh the point differential of a 42 or 44 win team and they won 40 so they're actually 29th 4.2 games uh lost fewer than expected uh and that was basically equal to detroit who was number 30 in that regard yeah exactly so i think Yes, you might see some health decline, uh, but you also might see some clutch luck. You might see some wins. And they had a couple of like last second calls or non-calls uh, with the, uh, the two-minute report that came back. And it was like, well, this uh, Donovan Mitchell lane violation probably would have resulted in <laughs> oh, the that, game not going to overtime game. and not right. scoring 71 points on you. <laughs> Um, so yeah, maybe, maybe a couple of things like that balance out, but I just, I think they're a very average team. So I'll, I'll go with like 41, 42 games. Cause I just, I just don't see them really buying into a sell off. Yeah. I'm interested. I mean, the Kobe white, it being such an inflection point, but I, there still are so many defensive guys, you know, I I'm thinking of them defensively as oh wait that was looking at last year no wonder no wonder i was so surprised by my <laughs> by my rankings I, I just did like i tried to like tear out what i thought every team was going to rank in uh offense and defense last night so here's what i came up with for chicago uh i kind of i think they're going to be pretty bad offensively still you know i think kinda, i don't see like a great path for them to be much better than they were you know so i kind of got them in the the low 20s there uh and then defensively i do think they'll take a little bit of a step back i still they're sort of like the defensive version of the new york knicks where they they're really good in the three four factors that don't have to do with the opposing shooting and what you said about like them benefiting from some shooting luck was a a little bit concerning as well so i think i I see them kind of more in you know the uh low teens you know maybe in sort of like the 10 to 13 range defensively so you know i kind of got them slightly under 500 based on that you know i think i'll probably go you know i did think 37 and a half was too low because like we said point differential of 44 win team and they didn't really change much and if anything adding carter that probably helps them some and so yeah i I think carter and, and craig were like legitimately really good signings like 
I don't know what you thought about the three for, I think it was like 19 and a half for Carter, but I felt like he could have been no, I love that. closer to the full mid-level. Like yeah. that was huge. And then for Craig, like, I mean, the minimum for a team that can't really offer like a veteran contention, like I feel like you typically have to overpay for those guys. So I thought getting him at, I think it was like the $2.9 million uh, vet men for however many years he's been in the league. Um, I thought that those guys will help a lot. And I think thought they got them on good deals. No, I, I think that's true. Yeah. We didn't mention Craig uh, all that much, but yeah, I mean, it's funny listening to you talk about Tory Craig is like some big shooting upgrade at the four, but like that's objectively quite true. <laughs> it's true. Uh, so yeah. And he quietly had a pretty effective year until he got uh, caught in the Monty Williams rotation roulette meat grinder in the, the second ground, uh, second round. I said second ground. That's uh, a, <laughs> uh, that, that is not correct. So I guess I was thinking of grinding. So yeah, I think, you know, I don't want to be, I'm not like a huge optimist on this group, but I felt like, you know, why are they going to be six or seven wins worse? Like that just didn't pop out to me. Like they could be a little bit worse. And, you know, again, I'm not going to make like select my number of wins based on a team like this. Kind of the same as with Toronto. Danny convinced me not to do it this way uh, based on them getting rid of guys when just the organization hasn't been that sort of team that, you know, actually does the rational thing in those situations. So, yeah, I think I'll go with 40 wins for these guys. Yeah, I think that's I think there's a world where they maybe get up to like the 44, 45 if Kobe and Patrick hit and, you know, the offense looks really good and they're not sacrificing anything defensively. Like, I think they could maybe get up there like they're very they like to talk about the parity in the East and how, you know, aside from maybe Milwaukee and Boston, like there's not really anybody that really stands out. But I, I don't think they're like even in that second tier. So I just I don't see them getting above like the six seed if everything breaks perfectly. Um, and I think there's there's also some room if you look at it the other way, if they kind of melt down to start the year, they have a really tough stretch and they do end up trying to sell off. Um, obviously you get down to like that mid thirties number, but I think ultimately, like you said, the 40, 42 range is, is probably the safest bet. Yeah. Well, uh, uh, hilariously last year, I also picked them for 40 wins and they were 40 and 42 uh, again. So can you give me a, an official number here? Yeah, I'll go 41 and 41, 41 and 41. Okay. Yeah. No, it's it. When I try to uh, sum all of the numbers uh, in my spreadsheet, if I put 40 to 42 and I'll get an error. So, you know, you, I, I can't deal with that, that, that spreadsheet angst. Um, all right, man. Well, this this is really fun. And uh, tell us uh, about uh, the new site. I guess it's not that new anymore, but uh, what you guys are doing uh, with uh, covering the Bulls this year. Yeah, thanks. Um, we are CHGO. It's uh, the Chicago offshoot of DNVR, of PHNX, and now PHLY. Um, so we cover the Bulls. We have a daily video podcast. You can find us on YouTube. And then um, on the beat, I'm covering the team every day. Uh, you can read my writing at allchgo.com. All right. Well, thanks, man. I really appreciate uh, you coming on and looking forward to keeping up with your work uh, throughout the season. Thanks again. Thank you. Once again, if you'd like to subscribe to Dunked on Prime, you can do so at dunkedon.supportingcast.fm. That's dunkedon.supportingcast.fm. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 
21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply.